One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, welcome to I Was There Too. My name's Matt Gorley. This is the podcast where I talk to people who were there in the great scenes and movies of cinema history. Today, the Shawshank Redemption, my guest, Clancy Brown, who played Captain Hadley, the tough-as-nails prison guard in the Shawshank prison. The film was written and directed by Frank Darabont, and Stephen King has considered it to be one of his favorite film adaptations based on one of his own novels. The movie is infamous for being one of the widest spread home video releases of all time, as well as fighting for the IMDb number one slot due to a rapid and somewhat arbitrary campaign from IMDb voters who probably are the strangest sort ever to live. They might be playing a part in this current presidential election as well. I don't know. But Clancy Brown was a fantastic guest. I don't know. I just love this guy. It's it's more than just that sonorous voice. There's something in his very easy nature that uh, just uh, gives you some comfort and you go along with the ride. I love talking to him. I loved rewatching this film. I also stumbled across a computation from a blog called Yamaloka, which takes all the information it can from the film about the tunnel that Andy Dufresne digs to escape from the Shawshank prison. And long equation short... He's incarcerated in 1947, but starts his tunnel in 1949, and eventually, spoiler, escapes in 1966. It's a 12-inch diameter tunnel, and using what data he can from the film, he computes that since volume equals mass divided by density, and debris times day divided by density, you basically end up with this result. It took him 16.9 years, 6,168.5 days. With the distance of 164th of an inch per day, which equals 7.13 inches per year, to escape from the Shawshank prison with his little uh, gem hammer. This reminds me of the computation someone did about the uh, actual amount of days Bill Murray would have gone through to finally escape the perpetual Groundhog Day loop that he was trapped in. 
You can check this out at the Yamaloka blog, and there's also a great infographic about it from a designer named Shahid Saeed, if you Google it just right. Okay, I love this movie, I love this interview. Let's get into it. The film, The Shawshank Redemption, the year 1994. The role, Captain Hadley. The actor, Clancy Brown. Shakespeare monologue now or <laughs> you're not joking because uh Peter Jason I know was, I, this, the, yeah. the, was that your second episode it's, I got such a kick out of that he I'm went sure. off for it and it went for like three minutes too. Yeah. I think you're only hearing half of the one that ended I'm up sure. on really? <laughs> I'm talking to Clancy Brown here now Clancy you played Captain Hadley in the Shawshank Redemption who was described as the hardest screw that ever walked a turn at Shawshank State Prison. Nice, yeah. Who doesn't want to play something like that? that a is hard a great screw. Description. Yeah. <laughs> I want to talk about some of the dialogue you have as Captain. Okay, Hadley. Yeah, These are some of your lines. These are incredible. Fat barrel of monkey spunk. Mm-hmm. If I hear so much as a mouse fart in here tonight, I swear by God and, and sunny, sunny Jesus, Jesus, you will all visit oh, the infirmary. Mm-hmm. I tell you, Uncle Sam puts his hand in your shirt and squeezes your tit till it's purple. And, yeah, fucking A. I don't need no smart wife killing banker to tell me where the bear shit in the buckwheat. How was it with such wonderful dialogue? I feel like that does a lot of the work for you, right? I mean, that's... Yeah, exactly. It does do a lot of the work for you. Uh, the, uh, the, there was... I did manage to... I, I was very proud of myself. I did manage to sneak in one original... Uh, original... What do you even call them? Euphemisms. It was. It was something about ball washing bastards. Oh yeah, I have that down. Yeah. Bunch of ball washing bastards. Bunch of ball washing bastards. That was the next one yeah. on my list. That was the one. I think I heard that somebody, maybe Kevin Dunn, told me that one. Really, so, that's pretty good. Sorry. Did he let you guys? Add no, you know, it seemed like it a pretty was, tight script. It was a tight script. It was a beautiful script. Everybody, everybody loved it. Everybody, you know, nothing. Nobody wanted to change it. There were a couple of changes that had to happen that like broke David Lester's heart when he couldn't have the train that he wanted or do you know whatever effect, and they, you know he had to go tell Frank. And but everybody loved this script. You know, it's kind of famous how well regarded it was around Hollywood, and. Um, because people were coming out of the woodwork to be in it, and Frank had his pick, so it 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 didn't it didn't need many changes. But at the same time, there's a lot that isn't done in that script. There's a lot of there's a lot of character maintenance that isn't that isn't performed. The story is very tight, but there was lots of spaces where we could fill in, you know. And and every now and then we would. The my favorite was uh, Brian Libby, who played Floyd. And I think he's been in every Darabont movie ever. Uh, and he's kind of a cross between uh, Neville Brand and Lee Marvin. Like if they had a baby, they, <laughs> they would have had Brian Libby. And Brian decided at one point that he would be the, the jail yard philosopher. Right. And so he's just started spouting aphorisms. So these aren't in the script. No, just... they're not in the script. But, you know, we're filling the time and, we're, you know, we're, the, the, there's some pretty, some pretty great character actors there like Larry and Joe Ranio and Proval and, and yeah, I mean, just, you know, creative bunch, yeah. right? They were having fun. And so, but Brian decided that he would be the jail yard philosopher and he just started spouting these aphorisms. No, no, nobody paid him much attention. And one day he like tortured one of them and, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, up the creek without any moss <laughs> or something like that, you know, you know. 
I don't. Having just watched this film yesterday, I don't remember any of those. No, making. he never did. But we. But but that was the life off camera, off the set, and and he ended up writing this book, which I tore my house apart to find of Floydisms that were just brilliant. You know, it's like, um, you know, that guy's got. Uh, too many wars in the bush, uh, you know. Uh, just he's up, he's up the creek without without enough stones to roll down the moss or something. Yeah, it was just just all sorts of crazy mixed aphorisms. It's like a were, drunk Dan Rather. Oh, oh my God! Yes, exactly. Right. It was just. Was this a book he beautiful. produced independently yeah, and be, just gave yeah, you? Guys? I mean, there was lots of time to sit around the, the the penitentiary at Mansfield, and so he like hand wrote out page after page of these oh, little Floydism and gave them to everybody and I have it somewhere in my house. I've got to find it. I'll call in. I'll call in one one of your shows. Anytime you want. Yeah, That's uh, an amazing keepsake where... It's I mean, the only thing probably... I've kept from that show. <laughs> really? <laughs> God, that was 22 years ago now, right? Yeah. Uh, is that right? 22? Yeah. 94, right? If you say so. I believe so. Yeah. Yep, 94. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So how was Frank Darabont as a director? This was his directorial debut? I think he had done like a... Or US, he'd, done some, he'd done some cable movie, a cable horror movie some or something like that. Movies, but, yeah. you know, he's, and, and he was a, he was a you know, A-list screenwriter. Yeah, he had the first team uh, all across the board. He had Deacons as the DP. And uh, we were originally supposed to shoot in the jail, but um, they had taken a group of... Uh, uh, of inmates over to clean it up because they had they had closed that jail and built a new facility and so they brought a bunch of inmates over to clean up the the old jail which was this horrible you know five tiered gothic masterpiece of terror and and uh, with giant windows all facing the the cells the exterior of that is in the film right that's yeah the exterior see, yeah. is in there. the the interior is all is all Terry's work. Uh, but they, the inmates wrecked it. They were left alone to clean it up, and they just tore it to pieces because they hated the place so much. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, it was it was a mess. Was that an eleventh hour emergency then, or was uh, I time think to... yeah, I think it was. I, it might not have been eleventh hour. It might have been you know ten thirty, ten forty five. But um, but they quickly built. And there were plenty of empty buildings in Mansfield at the time, so they quickly built a perspective. Uh, jail oh, you know, right. cell, the uh, jail block, cell block. And it was actually built to perspective as you got higher. The, the, uh, oh, like a forced perspective smaller. thing. Yeah, forced perspective. Now I want to rewatch the movie. Yeah, so yeah. Can no, spot you, that. Can. you can. <laughs> How did you end up in the role? That's a great question. <laughs> How does anybody end up in the role? Because it was singly the worst audition I ever gave. The, um, Why do you say that? Well, Deb Aquila still laughs about it. And uh, I read it, and it just, I just, I just loved it. Everybody loved it, and I wanted to play that. And they wanted me to maybe play that or Boggs. And I said, I, you know, I want to do, I want to do Hadley. That's the role. And uh, so I had to do this scene where I, I talked about, you know, you shit when I say you shit, you you eat when we say you eat, and all that stuff. And I had to deliver it to Deb. And Deb is this very sweet at that time we were both very young we were a sweet young casting director she was dressed in something very colorful and frilly and <laughs> she smelled nice and i had to like look down at her and i could not get these lines out i just and i looked at frank and i said I, I would start them and i i just looked and i said i can't say this shit to you i can't <laughs> say it i can't 
I said, I, Frank, I know how to do this. I know how to do it to a big, ugly inmate, but I can't, I can't do it to Deb. She's, she smells too good. You know? And so I was just left there knowing that I didn't get the gig and I was bumming out. But I was also getting married that summer, so it wasn't like, eh, you know, that's one problem I don't have to deal with. How am I going to do the movie and get married? Because I just blew this audition, so I don't have to worry about that. And then uh, apparently they just got such a kick out of that that... Well, they saw a softer side of Hadley that... I guess, uh, you know, Frank put it, he said, you know, we had a lot of people come in, and uh, that's a real asshole role. And, but the fact was we were going to be in Ohio for you know, three months, all of us together, and we didn't really want to be in Ohio with Captain Hadley, <laughs> <laughs> with the real Captain Hadley. The logic We to wanted that. to be able to get along with, you know, and you, you you seemed like you would be a fun guy to do a movie with. So they didn't hire me for my acting job. Well, <laughs> I think that's <laughs> basically, seems like they, basically what Frank was telling me there. They were confident you could do <laughs> that, said, but the fact that you showed <laughs> pity on this woman was what guy, I, I'm so I'm fascinated by I'm a pitiless character. <laughs> yeah, right. but the things that end people up in roles aren't always what you'd think. No, that's, that one sure wasn't. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, that sure wasn't. Wow. So did you have to postpone your wedding then? No. I was not allowed to do that. Uh, right. I, I left, but I, but I did have to put it in the contract. I left uh, for the weekend and went to Chicago and got married. And then my wife and I came back to Mansfield and, and honeymooned. Was the Chicago Mansfield. wedding always the destination you were going to have? Or did oh, you yeah. Think? It was never going to change. And, and so we got to put it in the thing. And it was, uh, I, you know, I went from threatening to throw Tim off the roof to to say in my vows and uh, and then brought her back to lovely Mansfield, Ohio actually Loudonville, Ohio We I lived in a, I rented a place Larry and I rented a place outside of town in bucolic Loudonville, Ohio and uh, we honeymooned there and what did she do while you were on set all day and night? Um, yeah, that's a good question. She, <laughs> she, she wandered around Ohio. She wasn't unfamiliar with Ohio. And actually, you know, that part of Ohio is really quite beautiful. It's, uh, it's I think now it all, everything is owned by Amish people now. Oh, wow. And they, you know, they, they farm the right way and do the right thing. Uh, Malabar Farms is there, which is a, where Louis Brumfield, it was a... Uh, Pulitzer Prize winner in the 30s or 40s, and a kind of a f- kind of a famous character. Uh, he had this farm where he would uh, he would invite people out from from Hollywood. Uh, Bogey and Bacall actually honeymooned there. Oh, and there's pictures of them all over this farm, all over this farmhouse. And but he would invite uh, movie stars and stuff out, to, and they would the only the only uh, the only stipulation was they had to work. They had to work the farm. And so, you know, the, it was quite the thing, I think, in the 40s to go out to Louis Brumfield's farm and, you know, wrangle the cattle and chuck some corn and <laughs> sell some fruit and stuff like that. They, they always say Jimmy Cagney was selling vegetables at the stand outside by the farm and oh stuff. And so, but there's all sorts of weird stories like that. And look it up. Look it up. All right. Hey, look it all up. Right. It's in, it's in that device. Louis Brumfield. Malabar Farm. I'll bring that up. Speaking of hanging Tim Robbins over the ledge of a rooftop now, when I watched that movie, it feels like you are really the only thing holding him up there. Was there any kind of uh, security? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did they hide that? Because there's a full body shot of you two. We were all, they digitally took it all out. Yeah. Oh, wow. I guess 94. Yeah, that would have been. Larry Gatlin was the the, uh, wire guy. 
and uh, well, he was the he was the um, coordinator, and so he was holding Tim, and and I was I was I think I was roped off. I was pretty safe. I think they probably had me roped off too, but yeah, it was all very safe. But he was hanging over the edge of the building for sure. How did he handle that? He was a little nervous, and yeah. I don't blame him. Yeah, sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, so I read also that you received several offers from real life corrections officers to work with you to make your portrayal of <laughs> yeah. Captain Hadley more realistic. But yeah. according to the Internet, so this is why I come to you, you turned them down because Hadley was an evil character and you didn't want to misrepresent the real corrections officers. Yeah, that's 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 a nice way of saying it. That's <laughs> we 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 toured the new facility, the old facility. I mean, it was truly it was a Dracula's castle. It was just a horrific place. You couldn't imagine being interred there, and you know the, the solitary uh, dungeons that they had down there, and even the mess hall, which was actually is actually in the show. It was just it was just a depressing, depressing place, and so it got closed. Uh, a couple of years before, uh, for cruel and inhuman as cruel and inhuman punishment, wow. and they opened another facility, and the, this next facility is, is all state of the art. looked like a looked like a UFO landing site. I mean, on, everything's in pods and everything's open and everything's cool. And so we would we toured through there, and some of the guys, you know, wanted to spend a night in solitary. I just want to see how I feel. I want to be. I want to be in the jail. Tim can, Robbins can, can we, that, Yeah, right? can we arrange that and da-da-da-da-da. And so, you know, a couple of the COs came up to me. I think the main CO came up to me and says, you know, we can arrange for you to go around with one of the COs. And like, you know, and I said, dude, if you read this script, do you realize what a fucking jerk I am? I mean, you, you don't want me, nobody in this place wants me saying I was basing my performance <laughs> off of them. You know, because those guys, I mean, they're... It's it's a hard job uh, being a corrections officer, yeah, and, sure. uh, and to advance you have to you have to take courses, you have to be, you have to take psychology and sociology, and, and uh, it's there's they're they're pretty great guys, you know the the screws that are just you know checking you in and out. You know that's your that's the entry level job, but the real guys that are in population, they're they're saintly i mean they're not saints but they're 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 tough and they're but they're smart and they're compassionate beyond they're not captain hadley no they're saying. not they're not he's not just a he's not just a zookeeper mm-hmm. you know they're they're actually they're actually trained in you know penal philosophy <laughs> <laughs> which i majored in for a quarter at <laughs> you know when philosophy. i was an undergrad <laughs> <laughs> we're going to take a break but i always like to go out on penal philosophy <laughs> We'll be right back. <laughs> back with Clancy Brown talking about Shawshank Redemption. Now, thanks for the Harry's Razors. <laughs> you can take that right, gift did, basket. Did with I you. get the mattress or the razors? Which one do I get? You don't have to decide. You can take them both. <laughs> Good luck getting it home. It comes in a convenient sized box. Though. Um, according to Morgan Freeman, but really according to the internet, according to Morgan Freeman, yeah. the shoot was fraught with extreme tension as there were constant differences between the actors, producers, and Frank Darabont. Um, did, is that really the case or is this? I'm oblivious to stuff like that. There you go. Maybe there was. I, I don't I don't recall being fraught with tension. I remember there was a, there was a moment when uh, Tim – disagreed with Frank about how graphic to make the rape scene. Uh-huh. Uh, 
uh, and I think Frank kind of wanted to go a little bit farther than Tim was willing to go. Mm. Um, both guys were right. You know, it's just a matter of how you're going to cut it. But, you know, you got Tim is a director. Morgan's a director. He had just directed his first film. Plus he'd been, you know, he is God, the voice of God. And he was the ultimate authority on that picture, no matter what anybody <laughs> says. Um, uh, you know, it's it's a choice that you make. And so, you know, they had to come to some kind of, some kind of compromise, collaborative compromise. And you know, it's it speaks well of the film that it it uh, it accommodated whatever small change had to be made. It accommodated even big changes. There was a big sequence where uh, uh, Andy Dufresne jumps on a train. And I remember talking to David Lester about that, uh, saying that he had to cut it. And I was like, ah, oh, David, Jesus, why? You know, that's such a... It's such a poetic moment. It's such a you know. It's sort of it's sort of the it, it's sort of symbolic in the whole script. It's the, one of the big payoffs. This is know. after the breakout. Yeah, after the breakout, and and you know, the, plus you have the sound of the train whistle, and that played through the whole the whole story, and and uh, it, it was it, it was just an element that was so integral to the to the original script, and and he said, you know, sometimes you just gotta cut those, and and. And he was actually the first, the first money guy that ever that I thought was actually um, brokenhearted that he had to that he had to oh. axe an element of the script oh. because he also loved the script. He's, he's a good guy. He was a really good UPM, and uh, he, he he was really sorry that he had to do it, but you know sat down and made it happen with the guys. Uh, I never, you know, I saw Frank tired. Because um, this was essentially his baby, he wrote it. Yeah. He got it directly from Stephen King. Right? Yeah, he got and, it directly from Stephen King, and you know he held out to direct it. And I and, read that uh, Rob Reiner gave him, offered him a yeah. million or two dollars to direct this, and he wanted to keep it for himself. Yeah, yeah, and the, you know, smart enough to give it to him. Um, yeah, Frank's a smart guy. He's and obviously a good director. So um, it was not. It, it, that might have been a bad million dollars to spend. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, you know, it, I, I, I don't know. Maybe there was tension, I, but you know, I'm oblivious to shit like that. I'm a newlywed. Character, I was tension, a newlywed. Yeah. That's right. I didn't yeah. give a damn about it. These petty You're artistic arguments. Who do they think they are? <laughs> Honeymooning on. I've got some to get home and get laid. Churning butter. That's right. <laughs> get home to my new bride. It's just babies. Are you still married? Yeah. Wow, yeah. how nice. How many years? Well, that's what, 22 years? Yeah, now? yeah. Right. Yeah. This film is really your anniversary film. It's your. Yeah, it is, actually. Is. Well, not the release of it. That's true. Same, because we're 23 years. So. Oh, okay. You so. got it beat. Uh, Am okay. I? Okay. I just got the mic shoved down my throat. <laughs> <laughs> I feel much better. Did you have any of the scenes where they would play Morgan Freeman's narration and choreograph the action in no. and around it? No. No. No, no, no. Well, that, you know what? That, that might not be true. The, um, the, the moment of, uh, of discovery of the tunnel where, where Bob puts his finger through the yeah. thing, that w we might have played a scratch of Morgan uh, doing that since that was a camera move and that was kind of a complex setup. Uh, and it had to time out just right. So, it goes to show how much pre-planning Darabont must have done to have all of this stuff 
choreographed around that narration, which is usually added in post maybe to fix transitions and that sort of thing. But this was all planned from the beginning and scenes were timed to it. Yeah, but also if you read the script, you can see that it, the script accommodated whatever pace he was going to say it. Mm-hmm. Um, because most of the shots, they're not intricate shots. Uh, there, was also, there was also a big, long thing cut um, that paralleled uh, Morgan's, uh, Morgan's uh, being on the outside and, and Brooks's being on the outside. Red when Red gets released and, and Brooks got released, and we saw Brooks ends up hanging himself, spoiler alert. And and we see Morgan going through, and we see uh, Red going through the exact same uh, paces and and choosing not to hang himself. And a lot of that got cut, and a lot of that had voiceover that got cut, or at least pared down. Huh. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the changes that were made were, were minor, and... And the the script was written so beautifully that you know it could it could really accommodate that stuff, and that's really the test of a good writer. Frank is a great writer; yeah. he's a terrific, terrific writer. I have another question here before we move on to some of your other work about a little character choice you make when you're turning over Andy to Frayne's cell. You take his little rock carving and you, you smell it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what was the motivation behind that? Uh, just because that's what they did. That's what COs do because the the uh, the the smallest, most benign thing it becomes a camouflage for something worse. So I so it it looked perverse, and I kind of like that. But the fact is that uh, uh, when you're tossing a guy's cell, you would take stuff like that, and you would taste it and smell it, and make sure it wasn't some kind of contraband. I'm trying to think. So this is like a little wood carving. I think of like a goose or something like that. Uh, And what would what in your mind? What would that have? Who knows? Dope. I don't know. Where did you learn that? Uh, That's just something that COs do. That's just something that happens when you toss cell, which which nobody showed me. But you know, they did tell me. I said, "What do you do when you toss a cell?" I said, "Well, we you know, we look for stuff, but then we always make sure also to." To taste and smell like taste. the weirdest things. They yeah. just pick up objects and taste them. That have well, been I'm, sure, I'm sure they don't do that. I mean, I didn't lick it, did I? I, I well, I, you I did smelled say you it. tasted it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> taste and smell are very. That's true. That's the same right. same connection in the brain. Let's talk about some of the other work you've done. No. Nope. <laughs> Good night. Good night. What was the deal with Lost? I don't know. I have no idea. I have no clue, man. Everybody I, I talked to remotely associated with that show says it doesn't seem like there was any plan from the beginning about where to take it. I am so remotely associated with that show. <laughs> I, 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 you know, somebody called me up to do that, and uh, Carnival had just wrapped, and there were a bunch of people that went from Carnival to work on that. And, and it was in Hawaii, and I'd never been to Hawaii. And I thought, yeah, you know, what the hell, I'll go do it. I think the director was somebody that I'd worked with on Carnival. And so I just, eh, Stunna Lark said, yeah, sure, I'll go. And, you know, I don't know what the hell it was all about. Well, no one does. No, and I still don't know. I don't know. I, I, people tell me my character was named Inman. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but literally, even the creators don't know what was going on. Uh, yeah. That's been revealed that they basically admitted they didn't know where they were taking it. Well, they didn't say that at the time. I'm sure of they course, did. it was much afterwards that they admitted that they didn't know where it was. I feel going. like, you know, when, when campaigns, presidential campaigns are 10 years old, they release books and you find out the truth of the campaign, and that's what I'm waiting for on Lost. 
I don't know. I, I invested a lot of my time watching. Oh, did you? Were, you? were you a, a lost fan? I was lost. for the first part, and yeah. I, I really enjoyed the performances. I really enjoyed the intrigue and the mystery. And then there was a certain point where I felt like, wait a minute, am I being strung along? <laughs> so I love getting inside information if there was any I, I would have no inside information. I was a guest star. I think I shot second unit the whole time. Oh, I, don't really? think, yeah, I don't even think I'm... You know. In my mind, though, they hand every actor some kind of show Bible that goes, you need to know, this is the smoke monster. This is why a polar bear is there. Right. Well, I did... Like, like The second part that I shot, I did have to... I did have to get a crash course in what the hell, you know... This is what I'm talking about. Right. I, but, I, but that was from a gaffer. And it probably left you no more understanding of what no, the hell was no. going on, right? But I did have to know sort of what, you know, the, oh, I mean, what was the symbol that, the, where was I? Oh, I was the in Dharma? The, the bunker, yeah, yeah the, the Dharma. Dharma what the, what initiative the or something. There's Dharma and, you know, what is, That's what, all I can what, tell what am I doing when I'm making these gestures and what does namaste mean? And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's oh, it's I, one and, of life's great cruelties. And I had no idea. Finally, some... Some grip or gaffer took pity on me and said, okay, so here's what's going on. <laughs> you do a lot of animation voiceover. Countless. You've not only played UGH Krabs and SpongeBob SquarePants, but you've done all kinds of like Star Wars, Clone Wars, Rebels. Yeah, yeah. But you also played one of my favorite childhood villains, Destro from G.I. Joe. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was supposed to go on longer. We had, <laughs> we had a really... We had a really good cast, and uh, I thought really good writers, and it was getting it was getting kind of adulty. It was getting kind of adult swimmy there at the end. A little and then, weird, and in, yeah. In and then way? Hasbro kind of shut it down. And said, well, this is not the direction we want to go. Weird and in what way? I th- I, well, I think they had the movie coming out. What's the the broad's name? The bad girl, Baroness. The Baroness. Your lady, Destro's yeah, lady. Yeah, 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 Destro's lady. Yeah, yeah. we were we were kind of getting really. Intense there with the heavy breathing and you know making it, making it more. And steamy. that was making it to the final cut a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe not. I, 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 I never saw it, but um, uh, yeah. Well, GI Joe After Dark. Uh, yeah, it should have been. Should have been right. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, we take that. And, but, it's time you know, it's, to take it, these childhood properties and just move them into the age bracket of the people that watch them as kids, because no kids are watching GI Joe. So you might as well just give it to the no. middle agers now. Yeah, you should. Yeah. But and and you should upgrade the toys <laughs> to to, <laughs> to reflect toys. that, yeah. <laughs> right? But the no, it's, it, no Hasbro Hasbro. It, it, those are all just commercials for the toys, yeah. as we know. And yeah. so you know they probably didn't see the sales bump that they expected. And, right? You know, he was just, Scottish, I think. That's right. He yes. was a Scottish lord. Yes, he was Scottish lord. I put on that that my best Sean Connery. Oh really? <laughs> Can you give <laughs> us a taste? Uh, I can tell you about Sean. God bless him. Wait, you, oh, so you worked with Sean? Yeah, the Highlander. Oh, that's right. I was yeah, going to get to that credit uh, here. All right, well, give said, us some Connery stories. Connery. My famous Connery story is um, Sean said, when I first met him, he said three words to me, and then we didn't actually speak until we were speaking lines to each other. Don't speak to me? Were those his three words? No, his three words were, do you golf? <laughs> Hello, country. Do you golf? I said, no, Mr. Connery, I don't golf. And, Turned what? around. No, he's a great guy. He, he he did tell me at one time. He said, "Clancy, you can't let these bastards get to you. You have to stand up for yourself. You can't get let them get away with anything." I said, well, Sean, 
I agree that you could do that, but I'm just a schmuck actor. Was he referring to something specific? Yeah, yeah. He was having a little beef with uh, with uh, the directors and producers, and he didn't like the way things were done uh, so one day. And so he was telling them what for. Pulls me says, come here. Can't let them get away with that. And I, I think I was about his son's age. I think I was about Jason's age, maybe a little, maybe a little younger than Jason at the time. who was in L.A. And so he was... He was giving me wisdom, you know. He was, she was telling me, he was looking out for me. And, of course, I just said, jeez, I'm just a, I'm just a shlemiel. You're Sean Connery. You can do that. And he, looked, he just looked at me with such a withering stare. Yes, you are just a schmuck actor. Of course you are. I read that you became lifelong friends with Bob Anderson, the sword mm-hmm. master for that film, who yeah, also yeah. worked on the Star Wars films as yeah, well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, Bob, rest in peace. Yeah, he passed away, yeah, right? He passed away. He was an incredible years, yeah. swordsman. Yes, and his first job was Master of Ballantrae with Basil Rathbone and Errol Flynn. And uh, he had a pal tape of it, and we popped it in, and I watched him, and he was jumping through windows and bounding about and Arrow was a little chunky <laughs> at that time and probably couldn't pull off any of those stunts. But Bob was a young, you know, World War II vet and he was he was doing all those things. And then, you know, once you know the joke, once you know that person, now, you, now I see him all the time. Uh, you know, David Prowse is Darth Vader. He's a huge guy with big big uh, shoulders and he was a bodybuilder and and he had uh, I think he had some kind of orthotic in his in his in his shoe uh, maybe one leg was shorter than the other or something so he had a certain way he walked and as soon as it's Bob Anderson you can see this this elegant lithe in, and Bob had sort of sloping shoulders he didn't have these big square shoulders and you can tell in an instant that it's Bob. He's just very facile with the blade. and oh, That's worth rewatching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you can tell every single time, especially in, uh, in uh, uh, Revenge of the Jedi. Right. They would tell they, – they, Bob said that they would actually tell David um, that they would go work with David on something else while – because Mark didn't want to fight uh, – didn't want to fight David. Everything I've heard about David Prowse was he was a bit of a nuisance, always leaking plot details. And yeah, I met him. He's just a big guy. He's just a big happy guy, and he, you know, just you know, really, you know, not the brightest bulb, but not a bad guy at <laughs> yeah. all. Just, just you know, big enthusiastic bodybuilders. I hope he's still alive. I mean, you he know, is. Yeah, good. Okay. <laughs> As of this recording. Really, real. I mean, he, when I met him that brief time, he was very sweet. He was, but you could just tell he was just so happy that he was, he was who he was uh, and that everyone, everyone around him is happy that he is who he is. And <laughs> I mean, he's happy to share anything. I'll tell you anything. You know. Your first film, Bad Boys. Mm-hmm. Starring Alan Ruck. That's right. And we Ali just, Sheedy. We were talking about that before yeah. the podcast started. How was that experience? Uh, I was a bartender uh, on Devon Street in Chicago at the time. I had just graduated college and um, and uh, went down and auditioned for this movie that was coming through town and, and read and then read with Sean a little bit and, and really enjoyed that. And uh, But they were looking for this. They were looking for this character, and then they went and hired this guy. Um, I can't remember his name, 
but a really good-looking blonde uh, dude. I think he was a little bit underage. And so that went away. And so I went on to, you know, auditioning around Chicago for theater. And then all of a sudden, the casting director called me again. He said, you got to come in again. And I said, why? He said, well, because the guy that they hired, he doesn't want to do it because he's a devout Christian and doesn't want to have anything to do with, uh, with rape, oh, with wow. uh, homosexual rape. And I said, but he's in jail. It's like, that's, he's just not going to do it. He's just not going to do it. So he'd come in and read again. And uh, so I came and read again and, and got the gig. I think they kind of settled for me. You know, I, nowhere in my, in my career am I ever the first choice. Oh, I'm come always, on. I'm always the second, second choice. And, you know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm completely here by accident. You were my first choice. How today. many podcasts have you done? <laughs> <laughs> Bullshit. Yes, I'm your first choice. That's why I'm on episode 247. Of I had no connection I was to there too. prior. He was there? <laughs> Clancy Brown was in that too? Well, Starship Troopers. <laughs> was I in there? Oh, yeah, yeah. I was in there. Yes, I did. I was in there. I remember you. Uh, oh, yeah, sure you did. I do. <laughs> as well as Buckaroo Banzai. Now, is this true that even though your character basically dies, you're still under contract to appear in a sequel to that film? They signed us up to do sequels. But they, they signed everybody up to do sequels right then. I mean, you know, that was sort of the post-Star uh, uh, Wars era where... They would sign you up for sequels, and they would not want to share any any merchandising. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, they just the lawyers just got crazy after after Lucas made all that money. So there's no statute of limitations on it. They could come knocking. Today. No, I think they yeah. probably had to sign a new one. Uh, yeah. I'm just looking out for you. Yeah, thanks so much. Yeah, okay. no, we'd do it in a second. I've, I owe Lewis Smith a call because um, I missed him at Comic Con. He was he was down there a couple of days before me, and and. And then I had seen Kevin Smith in Scotland, and yeah, there's all this other stuff. He's got a podcast coming up. For, Kevin not, Smith? No, 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 not a podcast. Uh, AM, some new AMC show called Geeking Out or something. Oh, yeah, like. he's got a million like, he's got shows a and podcasts. Yeah, he's got a gazillion yeah. things going on. I think there's actually like three or four Kevin Smiths out there. There has to be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's figured out how to clone himself. Uh, but uh, where were we going with this? Yeah. Yeah, we're, uh, there's going to be another one. We're going to we're going to do it. We're going to do it Wait. again. We're not going to be those characters. Seriously? Yeah, Kevin's like got a got a deal with Netflix to make a, a I think a TV show or a limited TV oh, show. Wow. And I, I'm not. Kevin says he wants to incorporate all the old Hong Kong Cavaliers somehow. I mean, not as Hong Kong Cavaliers certainly, but but you know he wants to have us all in in there at some point i think that's a great idea i think that's a lot of fun i don't know any one of us that wouldn't do it that's exciting yeah all right right, this is the one i want to end on because i loved it end that's right we're 43 minutes in oh thank god okay good (laughs) (laughs) dukes of hazard Yes. What did you play in the Dukes of Hazzard? <laughs> Some bad guy number two. Really? Yeah. I, did I have a name? Is it on there on IMDb? And yeah. little. Yeah. It's the first. Uh, it's one of your first. I think that was my first job in in L.A. Well, after I moved. Yeah, to LA. your name is Kelly in the 1983 Kelly. episode Too Many Roscos. Too Many Roscos. Yeah. Yeah, that was a tour de force for Jim Best. That one, as I recall. <laughs> I was really excited to meet Jim Best, actually. I yeah, I always thought he was pretty cool, and he was pretty cool. But he was also old. It was hilarious doing that. Really? Was, yeah, I thought there was a guy at the at the audition for that, and I just got into town. I said, "Well, you know, who am I to say I'm not going to do do 
Duke's a hazard one hell do I know I had to get off my high horse here so I went off my high horse and I went in and one of the guys that was there was this guy Mike Genovese who uh, was an actor in Chicago who I just thought was the bee's knees he was a terrific actor there were so many great actors in Chicago at that time and so he was out and, and he got offered the role and he Wait, said, so "You're second again." Yeah, Jesus. he got off of the roll. He said, "I'm not doing it. I'm not doing this stupid crap. I just got here. I didn't come here to do Dick's Hazard." So I was like, "You're right, but you know, I needed rent, and I said, maybe it's not stupid crap. It was stupid crap. It was the craziest crap. But the funny, the funnest part of that whole show was watching Jim Best and." The fellow that played Boss Hog sit in their chairs, quoting Shakespeare to each other. <laughs> it was, yeah, they would talk about their days in rep, and they would, uh, do you remember in Titus Andronicus? When, and, yeah, I mean, I don't think they were in rep together, but right. they said, oh, yes, we did. We did Henry and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And they oh. would go back and forth, and they would feed each other lines. And it was really, it was really sweet. It was really Weird too. It was wait. They're in costume and everything. Yes, oh, of course God, they're in costume. They were, yeah, they were. You know, it was dissonant, but it was. It, <laughs> you know, it's sort of. It was endearing and dissonant and weird and and I actually really just wanted to see Catherine Bach too, but she what did she wasn't in that episode. You never saw her. No, never saw her. That is a great shame. Yeah, that was a great shame. I had to settle for Boss Hog and. Roscoe quoting Shakespeare to each other. That is no real consolation. That is probably <laughs> something to, few people have to. seen on earth. Well, thank you very much, Clancy. It is a joy talking to you. Joy talking to you, Matt Gurley. 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 That's right. I heard a story. God damn There's it. a Matt Gurley. Oh, man. I can't uh, get anything. There you go. Don't tell the listeners. No. You already did. Thank you, Clancy, and thank you once again to Jonathan Gomez, who's two for two on listener uh, guest connection hookups. He brought me Jamie Donnelly and Barry Pearl from Greece, so thank you very much, Jonathan. You can reach me if you have a guest that you can connect me to on this show at IWasThere2Pod at gmail.com, and if it works out, you can come sit in on the interview. That's the best way to reach me for issues dealing with this show. Otherwise, I'm at Matt Gorley on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, which is a place where you can see which films I've watched for upcoming interviews, as well as the secrets to the little theme song tags at the beginning of the episodes. It's all there. Thanks for listening, everybody. Goodbye for two weeks. This has been an Earwolf production. Executive produced by Scott Ackerman, Adam Sachs, and Chris Bannon. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.